Well, friends, uh, let me welcome uh, everybody uh, here tonight. My name is Tony Galea. I was the uh, acting uh, minister here for a couple of months before Dan came. And uh, tonight we're going to welcome or formally welcome and commit uh, to God, uh, Dan and his family uh, to this uh, great parish of Robinson. So firstly, the acknowledgement of country. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, the Gundagara people. On this land, they taught their children their beliefs, knowledge and culture. And we pay our respect to them as we seek to do the same for our children. As we gather on these ancestral lands, we also acknowledge our God and Heavenly Father who made the heavens and the earth and to whom we are responsible for the current stewardship of this land that has been entrusted to us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the day the Lord has made. Indeed. Friends, please uh, be upstanding as we sing this uh, great hymn.
Yes, friends, please be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have come together to meet with God and to take our part in the building up of his church and to welcome our brother Dan as rector of this parish. We will listen to God's word, praise and thank God and pray for Dan's ministry. We are the people of God and the scripture reminds us that we still sin. We need to confess our failures knowing that Jesus intercedes for us with the Father who freely forgives us. So let us draw near to God with sincerity and confidence and pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have gone our own way, not loving you as we ought, nor loving our neighbour as ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, and in what we have failed to do. We deserve your condemnation. Father, forgive us. Help us to love you and our neighbour, and to live for your honour and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me pray before we hear from God's word. Heavenly Father, as we listen to your word, give us spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we may know you better, love you more and please you in all we do. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first reading is Psalm 48. Thanks, Kat. Psalm 48. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. When the kings joined forces, when they advanced together, they saw her and were astounded. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them there, like trembling seized them there, pain like that of a woman in labour. You destroyed them like ships of Tarshish shattered by an east wind. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Mount Zion rejoices. The villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion, go around her, count her towers, consider well her ramparts, view her citadels, that you may tell of them to the next generation. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end.
The second reading is from Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 24. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Well, it's a great privilege to be with you this evening for the commencement of ministry, uh, the public moment where we talk about the leadership of the Reverend Dan Bidwell, the parish of Robertson, uh, the churches of Robertson and and, uh, Burrowing. Anyone from Burrowing here? I think we had, yeah, very good. Glad you are here. Uh, It's about his leadership of the parish. Of course, it's not solo leadership. It's not about him alone. It's collaborative. But the focus tonight is on Dan and Joe and as he takes up this role. Uh, But uh, I want to focus on one particular verse from that passage from Luke chapter 10. I want to make it the um, verse for the night for Dan. It's from Luke chapter 10, verse 20, and it says this, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. If I can personalise it, Dan, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And I want to suggest this is the most important ministry lesson he can have as he commences his time here. Dan, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And I'm going to explain all that. Now, I've been here on a number of occasions. I am aware that we have lots of groups pass here on Sunday morning. The ones I remember most are the motorbikes. Often you have to stop here for a few moments as the motorbikes roar past. Um, And I'm pretty sure if they looked across here, they would say, I don't know what's going on there. I really don't care. But if something's going on there, it's mostly harmless. Not much to see there. Uh, And I want to say that's probably correct. Um, doesn't seem, given the overall life in the Highlands, that much is happening here. Fine folk, you are, I want to say, Dan and Joe, fine folk, I don't want to dismiss them. Um, But I want to say, if 
people could see it for how Jesus sees it, they perceive something revolutionary is occurring here amongst the people here. What exemplified on Sunday continues in other parts during the week, but there's something revolutionary occurring. Uh, nothing startling, one level, either Dan or Joe or the people here, yet as they gather in Jesus' name, it speaks of a revolution that's occurring. And we're going to look at revolution briefly in this passage and what that revolution looks to like for ministry and the lesson it means for Dan in particular. So I'm going to look at the context of ministry, looking at how this little passage plays out in the larger section of chapter 10. Then look at the expectations of ministry that flow from that. And lastly, look at what keeps you going in ministry as we look at our circumstances here. So context, expectations, and how you keep going given the revolutionary nature of what's occurring here. So this little section was read out to us. It's a story of 72 that Jesus sends out on a mini trainee mission. Um, there's always a larger group gathering around with Jesus, not just the 12, and they sort of come and go at different stages. But here's the occasion. He's already sent 12 out. Now he sends 72 out. Nothing special about the number. And they go out, and the first thing we notice is that they go out in Jesus' name. They go out with Jesus' authority as they do all their ministry tasks. And that's the most important first context which we need to come back about ministry. Everything is about Jesus. Now, like, duh, that doesn't mean very much that's about Jesus, but listen carefully about what's said there. As Dan starts, I want you to make sure that as a church you honour him, you respect him, obey him when he's following godly counsel and you hear all about him in a short while when he makes promises. But the most compelling point is that it's what Jesus himself does and is that matters most. All ministry that matters is done in Jesus' name. And that profound significance is so easily lost, short time, long time. You have to keep on reminding yourself, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And so every minister has the temptation to look at everything revolves around me, but it's always done in Jesus' name. Second aspect of ministry is that everything happens according to what Jesus sees. He seemed to see things differently than we see them. He looked around the landscape where he was at and looked at the towns and villages and what he saw immediately was he determined uh, uh, turned to harvest. Something that's ripe for the gathering, uh, ripe for the gathering of people from the, into the kingdom of God. In his estimation, all the people he sees speaks of harvest time. Now, as you travel around the southern highlands, lovely part of the world as it is, you have various towns and villages scattered everywhere, some larger, some smaller, um, and they're all across the landscape. We have a vague awareness of their existence. Most of the time we just go about our time and efforts and they hardly interact with us unless they get in our way. But how does Jesus see those same people even today? And the language he would use is the same as he used for the 72. It is still harvest time. 
It's always harvest time. To the very end of the age, it's going to be harvest time. So he sends the 72 out and he realises that even the best endeavours of the people he sends out is not going to be sufficient. He reminds that as you go, you need to keep on praying a prayer that the Lord of the harvest will raise up other workers to go in the harvest field. And that's going to be the prayer that you continue to have here at Robertson. In verse 2 he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So the 72, imagine this. Get all these instructors, they go out feeling a little bit apprehensive, a little bit vulnerable, and then to make it even worse for them, Jesus says to them, oh, by the way, I'm sending you out as like lambs before wolves. If you want to know the context of danger, there's your danger point. He's saying, I'm not sending you out as lambs to spend time in a nice green paddock down by a cool stream, you're out amongst wolves. You have a simple message, the kingdom of God is near. And so this is the time, the harvest where God is establishing this kingdom. And that's how Jesus sees the situation, as it always is. And as they go, he reminds them that everything that's going to happen is directed not at them, but him. It says in verse 16, Whoever listens to you listens to me, whoever rejects you rejects me, Whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. So they go in Jesus' name, with Jesus' authority, dependent upon Jesus, always, always, always. And how does it all go? What's it like for them on this little mini training mission as they go out for the first time? Well, it goes really well. Really well. We're told in verse 17, picking up that little passage that was read, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. I can just imagine high fives all around. How'd it go? Everyone's excited beyond their wildest imagination. They They went with nervous apprehension. They returned with just like kids have had undiluted cordial. They're just excited. They've even engaged in things that were the prerogative of Jesus himself, casting out demons. They've done that same thing. So that's all the ministry. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' authority, and overwhelmingly making a head spin, it all happens. So that's the context of ministry that is set up there that continues to this day. What's the expectations of ministry? So here they are, everything goes better than they could ever imagine, all their apprehensions have overturned, it's gone really well. He hears all this and then he sees something that they didn't see. And this speaks to the revolution that I spoke about that people miss as they drive by. And this is something we need to all hear. So they they report this and this is what Jesus said. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Not sure whether it's a visionary experience or some sort of prophetic insight that he has this time, but this is the moment where he reflects Satan is being thrown out, Satan is being defeated as they undertake this little mini mission. 
This mission is like a stop sign along the way about what Jesus' ministry is going to accomplish. The end point will occur in his death on the cross where the defeat of Jesus will, of Satan will be completed. But here is the sort of sight along the way that this is what's going to happen. The overthrow of Satan is now beginning and it's continued, it's finished. And so this is the revolution that people don't see is occurring. Satan, the one who held people in his sway, is defeated. The spiritual revolution that's going to overturn the world is now underway and it's underway through those who minister in Jesus' name with his authority. Ordinary folk, nothing special about them. But in Jesus' name, extraordinary things occurring and Jesus sees it all before his eyes. Satan thrown out from heaven like lightning. He's defeated. And that's the point of verse 19 along the way. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. The scorpions are snakes uh, unless you're like them, which I don't. Uh, in the biblical language, uh, a sign of a fallen, chaotic world. And so he throws out, not th- he sends the ministers to this chaotic world, symbolised by the snakes and scorpions, but he tells them, nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. They will be victorious because Jesus himself has gained the ultimate victory. And then he speaks, and I'll just read it out quickly, verses 21 to 24. At this time, Jesus, full of the joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden until now, have hidden these things from the wise and learned, and have revealed them to little children. This is now able to be seen. What Jesus sees is now able to be discerned by all those who minister in his name. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All things have been committed by, to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. No one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turns to his disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, to hear what you did, but you, what you did, but did not hear it. So here's a moment of insight of understanding how privileged and blessed are those who understand their lives are caught up with Jesus. And they rejoice. So we've got the context of ministry sent, the expectation of ministry, and now we'll land at where I wanted to start, finish with, and really what the whole point of the sermon is, what keeps you going in ministry. In verse 20. I want to say this is actually such a profoundly important verse. Um, Remember the context of the 72? They've come back excited, overwhelmed, pumped up. Absolutely, this is the best thing they've ever been part of. And at this moment, when everything's going better than they could ever hope to, Jesus has given the most important ministry lesson they'll ever have in their life. And this, for all ministers, the most important ministry lesson we'll ever have. Verse 20. <clears throat> However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, 
but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Why is that so significant? It is so easy to rejoice in success. When things are going well, uh, ministers love talking to each other about how well things are going. They don't like talking so much about how badly things are going. It's such a subtle and ever-present temptation to start over time when success occurs to have your self-identity bound up with the success that you're experiencing. You become entangled in your ministry and your own identity becomes more important than anything else by the ministry and how it's going. There's a flip side to that for the minister. When things are not going so well, your identity means I don't feel so good about myself. But yes, the focus either way is still you, isn't it? It's about you at that point. So I think about how what church is like for a lot of ministers on Sunday. Imagine two Sundays in a row. One Sunday, come to church. Now, ministry is more than Sunday, but Sunday just gives a picture of it. Come to church. Place is packed. In that moment you come to church and there's a real vibe, there's a moment where everyone's engaged and they're excited, everything's just wonderful, the kids' spot's better than they ever had, the musicians finally got everything worked out, sorry musicians. <laughs> the PowerPoint works brilliantly. Everyone's thinking it's the greatest day, there's visitors everywhere. The sermon was a home run. When the minister finishes, he does laps around the car park, people waving as he leaves. <laughs> Oh, how lucky we to have you. And he goes home and thinks, this has been so good. How wonderful all this is. I like ministry. Next Sunday. It's one of those Sundays when no one's there. Ever had those Sundays? Look around. Where is everyone today? The PowerPoint completely fails. We sing the wrong song three times. We've got the wrong Bible reading. Who was meant to be on morning tea is not there. The sermon, it just snoozes everyone. Even the dog at the back is falling asleep. <laughs> it's one of those days that you go home, tail between your legs, oh, what am I doing? Why am I here? This is just no good. Both are wrong. Both are wrong. What is the danger here? The danger is in both scenarios, God is no longer the centre of the heart and mind of the minister. Who's become the centre? You have. It can so easily happen with relative success or relative failure. We're energised by success, we're defeated by failure. Please hear me well. I'm not saying there's no place for appraisal, there's no place for reflection, no place for change. You need all those things, but hear this and hear it well. The most important thing a minister needs to hear is that you're accepted by God through Jesus. Your name is written in the book of life in heaven. That's where your security is, that's where your identity is. I'm pointing at you, Dan, I don't mean to. Whatever success or apparently success or lack of it, that is your starting point and that's where you always land. There's so many temptations come our way in ministry, but it's important that we always rejoice because of the best reasons. And there is no better reason to know that we are forgiven by God who loves us much and has written his na- round name in his own personal book 
idea of the book of life, it's sort of like his own book he can look up. Mine, my, that belongs to me. Whatever else we might be involved in this mission, this is going to fill our heart always with the greatest joy and continue going on. There's a story I read many years ago of the great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was one of the probably the greatest preacher of the 20th century, uh, based in Great Britain, a Welshman by upbringing. At the end of his life, he got a very serious illness and had to stop all ministry and was confined to home and a friend of his went to his home and sort of to find out how he's dealing. He's a man who had international life, travelled around, preached to thousands and now is confined to a home and could barely speak. So his friend had the temerity to ask him, well, how are you coping, not so much with illness, but the fact that you're finally sort of on the sideline? You've had all those people looking at you over those years, but suddenly no one ever knows what you're doing. You're no longer engaged in that worldwide ministry that everyone knew you for. And so Martin Lloyd-Jones, don't know what had happened, but he happened to get his Bible, could hardly speak. He grabbed his Bible and he turned to Luke chapter 10, verse 20, and pointed this and said in a garbled voice, Rejoice, your names are written in heaven, not rejoice that your spirits submit to you. Where was his identity that allowed him at the end of his life when that ministry all went and nothing was left? Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So Dan, as you publicly begin your responsibility as rector here, many things will come pressing upon you, urgent, always important. You'll need endeavour, creativity, partnership with the brothers and sisters here, to undertake the ministry that God has called you to, sent by Jesus, with Jesus by your side, engaged with the harvest field that he continues to talk about. But know this most important ministry, this revolutionary spiritual ministry that you have here. So Dan, the most important thing is, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Amen. We're going to sing our offertory hymn, and you'll notice in the book it's uh, offertories for the Sydney Anglican Indigenous People Ministry Committee uh, to support the Aboriginal ministry, specifically here in the Wollongong region down at Shack. Please stand. Spirit. 
Thank you. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gifts you give us. Thank you, Father, for the gifts we've been able to share together. I pray that we might use it for the ministry of the Sydney Anglican Indigenous People Ministry Committee, especially for the work down at Nara at the uh, Aboriginal Church at Shellhaven. Father, in all your mercy, sustain us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. might not be apparent, but there's a logic to the way uh, the sort of service goes. Uh, we start with Tony Galeer, who's been the acting rector. We have this middle section, uh, which is where I ask Dan uh, some questions, and you'll hear him publicly make some promises about the way he'll conduct his ministry. And then at that point, we'll officially um, have him put in place as the rector. He's already started, but we'll pretend that hasn't happened. Um, <laughs> And then we'll conclude with him actually taking officially that ministry position that he has spoken about. So there's order to that. Uh, and to start our proceedings, you've got your order of service there. Uh, we'll invite the wardens to come out the front and introduce them. Dan, you come out the front here. Order. <coughs> you come this side, Dan. Our wardens have some, a welcome for you. Well done. You can sit down now. <laughs> please, please. It only encourages them. Because <laughs> they'll come back again. That's what we're here for. Actually, can I say, uh, on behalf of us all, to every parish where wardens are in place, they do an extraordinary amount of work. And we really got to thank them for that. So, brothers and sisters, thank you very much for that. Um, I'm going to ask you a whole heap of things here, Dan, and talk to you. Um, and for those who are at Robertson, uh, and you want to know what to pray for Dan and Joe and their family. There's enough material here to keep your prayer life uh, well and truly engaged for quite a few weeks and months. Yes. And so, listen to these things carefully as we begin. Dan, my brother. At your ordination, you are exhorted in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to remember the dignity of the high office and charge to which you are called. That is to say, to be a messenger, watchman and steward of our Lord, to teach and forewarn, to feed and provide for the Lord's family, to seek for Christ's sheep who are scattered abroad and for his children who are surrounded by temptation in this world, that they may be saved through Christ forever." Have always therefore printed in your mind how great a treasure is committed to your care. For they are the sheep of Christ whom he bought with his death and for whom he shed his blood. This church and congregation whom you must serve is his bride and his body. And if it should come about that the church or any of its members is hurt or hindered as a result of your negligence, you know the greatness of the fault and the judgment that will follow Accordingly, consider within yourself the purpose of your ministry to the children of God and see that you never cease your labour, your care and diligence until you have done all that lies in you according to your bounden duty to bring all such as are or will be committed to your care to that understanding in the faith and knowledge of God and that maturity in Christ which leaves no place among you for error in religion or viciousness of life. Pray to God the Father through our Saviour, Jesus Christ, for the assistance of the Holy Spirit, 
so that by daily reading, reading and meditating on the scriptures, you may grow in your ministry and that you may so strive to sanctify the lives of you and yours according to the teaching of Christ, that you may be a godly pattern for the people to follow. And now in order that this present congregation gathered here this evening may also be assured of your attention in these things, in order that your public confession may strengthen your resolve to do your duties, you will plainly answer these questions which were first asked at your ordination and in the name of God and his church are now put to you again. So Dan, here are the questions and your promises. Are you convinced that the Holy Scriptures contain all doctrine required of necessity for eternal salvation through faith in Jesus Christ? And will you instruct the people committed to your care from the Scriptures and teach nothing as required of necessity to eternal salvation except that you are convinced may be proved by the Scriptures? I'm convinced and I will do so by God's grace. Will you always faithfully minister to the doctrine and sacraments and the discipline of Christ as the Lord has commanded and as this church has received them according to the commandments of God? Will you teach the people committed to your charge to keep and observe them diligently? I will do so by the help of the Lord. Will you be ready to strive away all false and strange doctrines that are contrary to God's word and to this end both publicly and privately? to warn and encourage all within your care, both the sick and the well, as often as the occasion demands. I will, the Lord, being my helper. Will you be diligent in prayer and the reading of the scriptures, undertaking studies that help to a fuller knowledge of them and turning aside from the pursuit of studies for self-indulgence and worldly gain? I will do so, the Lord, being my helper. Will you strive to live according to the teaching of Christ so that you and your family may be good examples to the flock of Christ. I will, the Lord being my helper. Will you maintain and promote to the best of your ability quietness, peace and love among all Christian people, especially among those who are committed to your care? I will, the Lord being my helper. Just a brief explanation. I'll ask him whether he obeys his ordinary, and you might want to say, well, who's his ordinary? Uh, it's to do with his ordination, which the Archbishop I represent. Here I've got his little thing here. I have a moment. Uh, my little gag, which I'll say again for the sake of clarity, is that uh, I stand instead of the Archbishop tonight, so tonight I'm the extraordinary. <laughs> Will you reverently obey your ordinary and other chief priests, ministers set over you at the church, gladly and willingly following their godly counsel? I will, the Lord being my helper. Dan, the people of this parish have gathered to recognise and greet you as a minister. I bring you your greetings from Karnishka Raphael, the Archbishop of our diocese. This document, which I just referred to here, bearing his seal, records your licence and authority from him to perform the office of rector of this parish. You may take that. Thank you very much. Keep it in a safe place, won't you? <laughs> I will. Dan, do you before God, in the presence of this congregation... Commit yourself to this new trust and responsibility. I do. Be a faithful minister of God's holy word and sacrament and a faithful pastor unto the great shepherd of our souls. And with that, please welcome Reverend Dan Bidwell.
and I'll lead us in prayer. Almighty God, giver of all that is good, you have appointed various gifts of ministry in your church. Bless your servant Dan, now called to serve you in this parish. So fill him with the truth of your word and clothe him with Christ-likeness of character that he may faithfully serve you to the glory of your name and to the benefits of your people. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So Dan, we invite the wardens back up the front. They haven't finished with you yet. Here they come again. Don't clap yet. The significance of that is that, as we said at the start, uh, though the focus is on Dan and he's taking responsibility as leader, it's not a solo activity. This is a joint activity and the wardens represent the parish in collaboration and partnership in that respect. So Dan, to you, my brother in Christ, I present the people committed to your care. And we say... We, we welcome you in the name of the Lord, as and brother in Christ. And now, Dan, as you take up your responsibilities, I ask that you and the congregation pray for each other in your ministry. Thank you. Well, uh, please join me in prayer. Almighty God, you've built your church on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. We acknowledge with thankfulness the labours of clergy and lay people in this parish in the past and the present, Grant us so to be joined in unity of spirit by the truth of your word, that as your church we may live in a way that is acceptable to you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, please stand, and together let's affirm what it is that we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and buried, descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, is ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. Well, let's continue our praying as the Lord Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The power, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Well, please be seated.
will be exalted, Lord, above the heavens. Let your glory cover the earth. Keep our nation under your care. Guide us in justice and truth. Let your way be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Send out your light and your truth that we may tell of your saving works. And hear our prayers, O Lord, for we put our trust in you. Amen. Well, thank you for coming and leading us in further prayers. I think we have Hannah and Maddie and Ross. Let's pray together. Most merciful Father, we ask you to send your blessing on your servant Dan that he may be clothed with righteousness and that your words spoken through him may be of such effect that it may never be spoken in vain. Grant also that we may always have grace so to hear and receive his preaching of your holy word that in all our words and deeds we may seek your glory and the increase of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, from whom every family on earth is named, we pray for Joanna, Charlotte and Jamie. Grant them understanding and assurance as they share this ministry. Refresh them by your spirit. Give them comfort in times of hurt, energy in times of weariness, hope in times of doubt and grace sufficient for each day. Fill them with all joy and peace in believing. Through him who knows our every need, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord God, you are our eternal shepherd and guide. In your mercy, you have granted to your church in this diocese shepherds after your own heart. We give you thanks for Kanishka, our Archbishop. Grant that he will always walk in your ways and with loving care watch over your people, that your name may be glorified through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. I think Rod, you're going to come and say some lovely words. (laughs) (laughs) I'll uh, I'll see. You can see. Yeah. Good evening, everyone. So on behalf of the parish of Robertson Burrowang, and as one of the nomination team, I would like to formally welcome you, Dan, Joanna, and to your whole family, uh, to our church family. Uh, You have joined us at what I believe is a critical uh, juncture in the life of our church. Please allow me to give a little bit of history. Uh, My wife, Serena, and I have lived in Robertson uh, for a relatively short 20 years. And in that time, we have seen God bless the ministry of your two predecessors. Uh, When we first came here, uh, we had one minister, the Reverend Barry Barry Lee. Our Sunday services uh, were held in the little sandstone church over there. There were a handful of young families at the church, no youth group. We couldn't afford our minister's full stipend, so we were a provisional parish. And there were many undeveloped residential blocks in both villages of Robertson and Burrowang. Under Barry's persistence and the generosity of bequeathed estates, this building was built and commissioned in 2009. 
When Barry retired in 2015, we had a growing youth group called RIPS. We became financially viable, gained full parish status and the ability to nominate a new minister. Of note, the rectory also gained central heating, which <laughs> you'll uh, appreciate, no doubt. <clears throat> um, enter Graham Thomas and family in 2016. Straight from the obvious uh, ministry or the Sydney Diocese recruitment grounds of Fellowship of the Emirates in Dubai. Um, under six years of Graham's ministry, God has blessed us with increasing in giving to put on two more staff to grow ministry, a church administrator and a children and youth minister. We have a thriving youth ministry under Beck's leadership. Our family service uh, is, uh, fills this, this building most Sundays and is warm and welcoming to visitors. We have strong... Uh, we have many people serving across the church in many capacities. The village of Robertson and Burrowing are now mostly developed with many people who need to hear the gospel. In the last two years, we have had an influx of church members across all age groups, including many young families. And now, Dan, you, Joanna and family have arrived from the obvious uh, recruitment ground of Yontville in California. <laughs> There's a theme here, isn't there? Um, to lead and partner with us in reaching Robertson and Burrowang and beyond with the gospel. In the short few weeks you have been here, it is clear that God has a plan for you and your gifts here to grow his kingdom. We look forward to um, a friendship with you and partnering with you in sharing the good news of our Lord Jesus. We welcome you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me respond with a word of thanks. Um, Bishop Peter Hayward, um, dignified guests, uh, my family, uh, church family, friends and colleagues and supporters in the work of the gospel, thank you for being to here tonight as we mark a new season for my life and a new season for Robertson and Burrowing Anglican churches. Um, I've secretly always wanted to be a farmer and uh, so perhaps, not, perhaps not a secret to those who've known me well, but um, I was very pleased to be able to accept this position in a, in a country parish like this with a rectory on acreage and a chicken run and room for goats or sheep. Um, the reality is that God has already made me a farmer, a shepherd, and uh, struck me as I read the promises that I've just made tonight as I undertake this work as a minister of the church. We read before, have always therefore clearly printed in your mind how great a treasure is committed to your care, for they are the sheep of Christ whom he bought with his death and for whom he shed his blood. Uh, to the church here in Robertson and Burrowang, thank you for entrusting yourselves to my care. Uh, please pray for me and uphold me as I learn to be a good shepherd. Uh, thank you to the wardens and nominators for your support and uh, for the wonderful welcome I've already received. Um, thank you for staffing the church with Beck, uh, our kids and youth minister and Rachel in the office. Um, and thank you to everybody who's served and volunteered in so many ministries here at church. Um, one of the reasons why I said yes to this job is you are incredible and you blew me away. I uh, say so praise God for your gospel hearts. And thank you to all who have shepherded me along the way. Uh, some of you are sitting here in the audience tonight. There are former colleagues, former bosses, uh, mentors and coaches who've helped me to learn the work of a farmer of Christ, a farmer for Christ. Um, special thanks to Bishop Peter Hayward, uh, who was a particular support to me um, even while I was working in California. And so as the Americans say, I appreciate you. <laughs> uh, thanks to my parents for being here all the, all the way tonight from Queensland. 
Um, lastly, thanks to Joe and my wife, my best friend, uh, and the most incredible gospel partner I could imagine. Um, thank you for following me to the ends of the earth, um, which is kind of where our kids are now. One is in California and one is in Fiji. Um, but I trust that they're all, all right because of the work that you've done uh, in growing them up and raising them with a deep faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. Our biggest thanks, however, is reserved for the one who called me here. Um, I never expected to be a Christian, let alone a minister of the gospel. But when we meet Jesus, God has a way of changing our world in all kinds of unexpected ways. And so thanks be to God and his son, Jesus Christ, for the adventure that he's taken us on, and to him be the glory in all things. What's going to happen after we finish down, Dan? Uh, we are going to sing, and then there is supper. Okay. You don't need to sing for your supper, you just need to eat it afterwards. Um, <clears throat> there's enough supper that if you need to take home a plastic doggy bag, which is also very American, yep. but I get a takeout box, um, you, can, you can take... Um, and Dan, if people want to come to church here on Sunday, when, what time would they need to be here? You come at 8 o'clock uh, to the sandstone building, but Rod pointed to out that way or you can come at 10 o'clock here in the building and uh, if it's the third Sunday of the month you can come to Burrowang at 4.30pm. Thank you. See every, every church service has an announcement that was it. <laughs> <laughs> we conclude with these words. To him is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. We'll sing our last song together as the band comes up and then food. Please stand. <clears throat>